Well, Happy New Year, and thanks for coming out on this Sunday. It's, it's sort of rare in the calendar when Christmas and New Year's uh, hits on a Sunday, but what a great way to start off a new year, being with his people in church and in the word of the Lord. This is January 1st, and that calendar date is actually a feast in the Ang- Anglican calendar. It's the Feast of the Holy Name. Uh, it's also the Feast of the Circumcision of Jesus, which go hand in hand. He was circumcised, which was appropriate, for he identified with the Old Covenant as the one who would fulfill that covenant. And in that moment of his circumcision, he was named Jesus. Um, what, a, what a great thing. If, you've, if you're a parent and you've had to go through that troubling process of digging through books of baby names to try and come up with what are we gonna name our child. How great if the angel Gabriel takes that one off the table for you. I got it, you're gonna call this one, his name's Jesus. You don't have to worry about that. Which is exactly what happened. Before uh, Jesus was even conceived, the angel Gabriel came and gave that information, and told Mary about, um, about her son and about his name. So that was, that was taken care of. Now, the name Jesus is holy, but it's also hotly debated. You can say, God bless you, and most people don't get upset about that, at least not here where we live. But if you say, Jesus bless you, then people get a little uneasy. The name Jesus is not neutral. I think about Jesus starting his public ministry in Mark's gospel when, he, when he's in the, in the very first uh, part of Mark's gospel when, he, when Jesus goes out just in the first chapter and he begins to proclaim the good news of the kingdom and he's healing people. Um, he comes to a man with an unclean spirit and it says, the spirit says this, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, be silent and come out of him. The demons know that name, and it's the minute that Jesus came there, they revealed his identity, and he silenced them down, because he knew, he knew what would happen if, his, if word got out too early about who he was, about his identity. The name Jesus is holy, but it is divisive. It's never neutral. Listen to a couple of comments from some folks in New York City. This was part of a survey that was taken by Redeemer Church up there. Uh, One person who's 24 years old, a woman living in Manhattan said, how can there be just one true faith? It's arrogant to say your religion is superior and try to convert everyone else to it. Surely all the religions are equally good and valid for meeting the needs of their particular followers. See, her problem is with the claims of exclusivity that we claim that Jesus is the name by which you must be saved, and that's offensive to some. Another person responded to the survey, a man named Jeff, who was uh, British, actually, but was living in New York. He said, religious exclusivity is not just narrow, it's dangerous. Religion has led to untold strife, division, and conflict. It may be the greatest enemy of peace in the world. If Christians continue to insist that they have the truth, And if other religions do this as well, the world will never know peace. The world will never know peace. They are struggling with both perceived arrogance and also violence. Those are objections. But it's not just Christians who claim that our our faith is true. It's Jesus himself who did it. He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty exclusive. 
And Peter once was preaching in the book of Acts early on, and he stood up before the Jews who were challenging him, and he said, there is only one name under heaven by which we must be saved. That's Acts chapter 4, verse 12. One name by which we must be saved. But this salvation, this name has astonishing meaning. Yes, Jesus is the only name that saves, but consider consider who he is. I mean, the name Jesus means the Lord saves. Jesus is the translation of the Greek Iesus, which is the translation of the Hebrew Yeshua or Joshua. So Joshua and Jesus, it's the same name, and it means the Lord saves. So Jesus is our salvation. And when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, you're going to name your son Jesus, he went on and described some things about this, this son. He says, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. That doesn't just mean chronological end, like it will get to a certain date and the kingdom will stop, but no end in terms of scope. His kingdom is expanding. It is growing in its, its magnitude, and it will go on forever in its duration. He is the king of all kings, and this will go on forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. In the Anglican church, there is, I hope some of you know, um, somebody at the early service uh, didn't know about the 39 articles. About 500 years ago, as the Anglican church was helping sort through some of its theology, Archbishop Thomas Cramer put together um, the Articles of Religion, and it defines some specific teachings of the church in England and Christianity in general. And Article 18 was particularly uh, flagrant in its language, but then true in its content. And I, I want to read it to you. It says, they are to be accursed, that's the flagrant part, those who presume to say that every man shall be saved by the law or religion which he professes, as long as he's diligent to frame his life according to that law and according to the light of nature. And then it says, for Holy Scripture sets out unto us only the name of Jesus Christ, whereby we must be saved. The language is a little bit awkward there, but the idea is there are many who say that if just whatever religion you believe, as long as you do it diligently, sincerely, as long as you sincerely believe it, you'll be saved by that. Now, sincerity is not helpful to us at all. Imagine, you know, I'm from Pennsylvania, and imagine that uh, a lake in winter has ice on top of it. If I am sincere that I can walk across that lake, it doesn't matter. The question is whether or not the ice can hold me. And if I am very not sure about that ice and walk across the lake and get across, it's the ice that mattered, not my sincerity or lack thereof. It's the object in which we place our trust that matters, not how strong our trust is. And so, as that article points out, those who say it's just how sincere you are at whatever you believe that matters, not what you believe in, that's just not true. It's just wrong. And the scriptures tell us what we should believe in and why. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. Jesus means the Lord saves. Now, the arrogance issue that comes up, this, this objection that you know, Christians are arrogant to believe that their religion is right, um, I, I do believe Jesus is the, the way exclusively. I also believe I'm a sinner and I need a savior. So right away, there's a humbling effect underneath that 
supposed arrogance. I admit I need a savior and Jesus is that savior. That automatically starts to humble Christians in this world. Everyone has a belief system, everyone. There are those who have, there's actually a movement in our country for the freedom from religion. Not freedom of religion. You know, we were founded by leaders who wanted us as a people to have the freedom to worship God and not be oppressed in that worship. But they've changed it from of to from. Freedom from religion. They don't want any religion to be around them, imposed upon them. And what most people don't recognize is that is a faith system. That is a theological system. They are, it is a religious system that is being imposed on other people. And the freedom from religion movement is a type of religion. So we have to recognize that, that everyone has some kind of belief system, whether they're aware of it or not. And thoughtful people actually think that their faith system is right. If they didn't, they would change, right? If you thought your faith system was eh, okay, but not the, the one, you would change and find the one. So everyone has some belief system, and those who are thoughtful about it think that that's the right belief system. So you can't just get away from faith systems. So we're dealing with this exclusivity issue and the arrogance issue. And some people will say, well, all religions, all religions are just different ways to climb the same mountain. Again, they don't recognize that to make that statement assumes you have a high enough vantage point to see the whole mountain and all the different faith systems, which is an arrogant claim. And what else is wrong with that is it assumes that those religions can get to the top of the mountain, but none of them can. That's why Christianity is so radically different. We can't climb with our religious works to the top of the mountain, so God comes down to where the sinful people are to save us. The name Jesus means the Lord saves, not we work hard and save ourselves. The Lord saves. So that's to the arrogance issue. Now to the violence complaint that the fact that there are different religions that think they're right leads to violence. I agree with that statement. There are a number of religions that are incredibly violent. And the fact that Christianity maintains one thing and other relig religions say something different and they are exclusive claims will naturally lead to some kind of conflict. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now he wasn't advocating physical violence, but he was suggesting that don't think this is gonna be a smooth sail. This is gonna be a bumpy, rough conflict of belief systems. Yes, he's the prince of peace, and yes, he, he came to bring peace for us, and peace with God first, and then with one another. However, that's going to cause conflict, and he warned us about that. There will be violence, but there is something about, there are a number of things actually, about the Christian faith that means it's good for the world. One is that Jesus saved us by dying on a cross. And the way that he did it was with no retaliation whatsoever. In fact, he was praying that the Father would forgive those who were killing him. So you would think the followers of Jesus would be able to have a similar approach to those who hate them or are persecuting them. Jesus teaches us that we are supposed to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. That's good for world peace. If Christians live that out, that is good for all religions. So even those who hate Christianity would be met with people who were bringing peace back to them if we were able to live into that. Another thing about Christianity that helps with the conflicts and the violence of the world and the fighting of religion is the fact that Jesus is the savior. 
and it lifts the pressure off of me and you to be a savior or to convert people. I am a fan of proclaiming the faith. I think we should try to convince people to consider it. I think we should argue for the faith as I'm doing right now. But I don't have to convert people, that's not my job. You don't have to convert people, that's not your job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And the way it works is people, Christians, give witness to the holy name Jesus and then the Holy Spirit convicts hearts and then they're converted. So the fact that Jesus is the Savior takes the pressure off of me to go and force others to believe what I believe, or for Christians to force others to believe what they believe. Furthermore, Jesus became human. He took humanity into the Godhead. In so doing, he, he showed and proclaimed the truth that we are made in the image of God. There is inherent dignity to all people. And so regardless of what someone believes, that person is valuable. There's a dignity to all people. And Christians co can go out into the world and believe that about all people regardless of what they think or believe. I can have respect for somebody simply because they're made in the image of God. Even if they hate me and think my religion is wrong and are teaching all sorts of terrible things, I still can respect the fact that they're a human made in the image of God. Christians ought always to respect others. And Jesus offers us grace. He offers grace to us and therefore we can then extend that to other people. Now, where to go with this? I wanna just make a very simple application point. Don't cower under the pressure of these oppressive forces that are in our culture right now. It's easy to become fearful because Christianity is going to be squeezed and pressured. It is only going to get worse in our country. The, the, the writing is on the wall, so to speak. The pressure, the change, the cultural sweep, if you look at what happened in England in the last 15 years, it's coming across the West. So religion is on, Christianity is being pushed down. And that's gonna force Christians to have to be bold. Don't cower, don't cower under that pressure. Even if it costs you something, even if it hurts you, don't, don't deny the name Jesus. Be confident and trust in that name. Because as Dan started us off in this service, one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess, some willingly and some not so. But we do so willingly and joyfully now. And let's take the long view on that and recognize what is true, absolutely true, will become known eventually. We do have the truth. There is one name under heaven by which we must be saved. Don't get hung up on the necessity of the name and miss the fact that there's a presence of a name. Remember this, there is a name by which we must be saved. We can be saved because of Jesus. Yes, the name causes some division, but it's a name that can save us. Don't cower, trust in that name. As we go into this new year, let us be people who trust in the name of Jesus and boldly proclaim him. Not, in a, not to be offensive, just because it's true. He is good, it is good news. I bring you good news of glad tidings. This is good news that we have. Praise be to God for his majestic name. Let's together pray. Lord, I want to ask for your Holy Spirit to make us bold in giving witness to Jesus. Father, forgive us for the times when we've been embarrassed or afraid to say what we really believe. I thank you for the gift that it is to know the Lord. I thank you for saving us. And it is only because of Jesus that we can boldly approach your throne of grace with any of our prayers and offer our praise to you.
So we thank you. We thank you for sending him. And we pray this in his holy name. Amen.